right, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been a good week. I've been excited, looking forward to this, the big awards show. Yep. After last year's success, everyone trying to get their hands on that golden statue. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a good place to start, Barney. We should probably explain the statue because I'm sure a lot of people have seen the statue on social media. Uh, in a couple of iterations, obviously, we had uh, the first iteration done by myself, uh, one of the best photoshops I've ever done. I'm extremely proud of that. And then, of course, we had a more recent version done by uh, the very talented Marcello Martinelli, who did all our artwork for us. Do you want to explain to people what it was? It involved uh, Rio Ave manager Miguel Cardozo last season, didn't it? Probably one of my highlights of last season, just him. Had they just scored or something like that? And then it was just him swearing to the, almost the sky, wasn't it? Putting two middle fingers up. If I'm not mistaken, it was a game against Boavista. They were both kind of involved in the relegation battle at that point. And I believe it was an equalising goal pretty late on. And Wilgo Cardozo, as you say, sticks two middle fingers up to the sky as if to say, well, who knows what he was trying to say, but it was a great moment. And I thought it was just such an iconic image from last season. I considered maybe replacing um, the statue this season with like something from this season. I was thinking maybe Constasal with the... Uh, with the cigar, but genuinely, I just don't think there's been a more iconic image than that one from this season of the Premier League. No, I think that image is going to stay with me forever. I mean, it's also the closest we've come to doing merchandise now. Which it is. It is. There was a t-shirt mock-up at one point, but I think we decided better. <laughs> Maybe we'll do like a little one-off. Maybe I can make you that for your birthday or something. <laughs> I would love that. Of course, no, uh, no suit and tie for you tonight, Albert. Even though we're doing the prestigious award show. No, I mean, this, I'm sitting next to my wardrobe, and, and the suit is in there. I could have, I could have gone for the bow tie, smart shoes, but you know, I thought it would only really be for your benefit. It wasn't really worth it. Uh, maybe if this was a video podcast and the listeners were were watching along, I possibly would have done that. Um, but no, unfortunately, not tonight. Although the occasion certainly warrants it. As Barney says, it's the official Long Ball Football Awards ceremony. Last season's awards ceremony was our most popular show of the year. It was a great success for us and we were really excited to do it again uh, this season. So we will be getting into that very shortly. We will be crowning such awards as best signing of the season, worst signing, best young player, best manager, and of course, best player of the season and our team of the season. But before we do that, just a couple of things from this weekend that we should probably talk about as there is still football going on. A big congratulations to Porto who won the Tasta de Portugal. Uh, two cups in a year, great success for them. And of course, a big congratulations as well to Tondela because despite the fact they didn't get a result, I think it's still an incredible achievement for them to get to the final of the Tasta de Portugal. Really big for that club. And of course, uh, well done to Chaves, who won the first leg of the promotion relegation playoff 2-0 against Morarins. That second leg will be taking place on Sunday. One foot in the Primera Liga, as they say, Barney. These playoff matches always, like, since the same with last year, it's just turned out some cracking games, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I really recommend people try and catch the second leg of that on Sunday because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, teed up nicely, isn't it? I said it last year, Barney, I have to eat my words again, because when they announced the playoff, I was really critical. I said, in Germany, where they do it, there's one in every 20 years or something does the team in the second league actually win. Whereas in Portugal, it looks like, I mean, obviously a big second leg to go, anything can happen, but we could have 
two in two where the the second division team comes up. So I will, you know, happily eat my words and not criticize this format again because it's been great for for the drama at the end of the season and a good opportunity for for a small club, as you say. Well, look, I feel like we should get into it, Barney, because that's what the people came for. This is the big awards ceremony. We should explain how this is going to go. We're going to start off with the individual awards and in the second half of the show, we're doing our team of the season. And there is a slight change from last year. Last year, we had a pre-decided five-man shortlist from which me and Barney chose a winner. But this year, me and Barney were chatting before the show about what our choices might be it quickly became apparent that there were possibly going to be one or two disagreements so we decided to build it into the show this season is very different me and Barney don't know each other's shortlists for any of these categories we don't know each other's team in the season we're going to reveal them to each other now and the way it's going to work we're each going to reveal our five-man shortlist for each award and then should we have the same winner? Of course, the winner is awarded. And if not, we're going to have to debate it out and fight amongst ourselves as to who should get the award. So hopefully there'll be some good discussion. It won't be too predictable, I hope. Although I'm sure there are one or two categories here where the, the winner is slightly more nailed on than in others. And also, I think it's worth us just saying as well, like like we did last year, you know, these are our awards, isn't it? We, you know, we've had a lot of fun with this. We're not saying like these are the definitive answers. Like this is the best, like you know, yeah. like factually or statistically. You know, this is just from our hearts, like what we thought of this season. Um, so yeah, people, yeah, don't take it too too seriously. On his covering his back early doors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, you 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 are quite right. We are not experts here. We're just two guys who who love watching this league. So this is our opinion. If you disagree, man, get involved. Send yeah. us a message on Twitter. Send us who you think is best. You know, we're going to do quite a few tweets after this about our our choices. So feel free to debate us. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we've been done. All that good stuff. Well, let's not waste any more time, Barney. The way we're going to do this, we're going to go from the smallest award up to the biggest. We're going to end with the best player and the best manager. But we're going to start off uh, with a nice award. And that is the best signing of the Premier League this season now. It's a bit of an abstract one, this one. So the general concept of this award is a signing made last summer who came in and made a big impact for that team. Now, obviously, a big impact can be uh, relative to what the team expected from the player and what the team expected from their season. But ultimately, this is just a signing from this year who came in and made the biggest impact. And I will let you, Barney, kick off with your five-man shortlist from fifth to first. All right, so my five-man shortlist for the best signing um, going from fifth to first album. I've went with uh, Fran Navarro for the Jovacent, Simon Banza, Z Carlos, also for the Jovacent, Peter Musa of Bovista, and Sarabia of Sporting as my my five. I like it, Bonnie. I like it a lot. Okay, very interesting because I've got some very similar names. I've got four names in there, but my order is slightly different because in fifth place, I went for Rodrigo Abascal at Boa Vista, the Uruguayan centre-back, who I like a lot. But yes, in fourth place, I also had Peter Musa from Boa Vista. Third place, Simon Banza from Family Cow. Second place, Fran Navarro from Gilvesen. And then first place, uh, Pablo Sarabia at Sporting. So, Top place is secure, but we've got for a couple of different choices, some similar choices. Let's talk about those, Barney. Fran Navarro, I think, is self-explanatory, 16 goals. Very similar signing, in my opinion, to Mario Gonzalez last season. Came from Spain. Uh, I believe also came from Valencia B team. Came in and made a big impact. Simon Banza, also self-explanatory on loan from Lons. 14 goals, three assists, an excellent season from him. And Peter Musa, likewise, 11 goals for Peter Musa. I picked him, Barney, just because of 
really the impact of him joining for quite a big fee, I think, at Bovista and being sold on immediately to Benfica. That just got, kind of shows you what kind of impact he's had. Yeah, and I always felt at the time when Bovista secured his signing that uh, it was from Slavia Prague, wasn't it? I thought there was a bit of a coup. I, I, I knew this player before. I'd heard a few things about him, you know, that he was destined for big things. And so the fact that he popped up at Bovista suddenly was incredibly exciting. And I think, uh, you know, we saw it last season, didn't we, with uh, Alba Velez, when there was a, you know, a, a quality player in that attack was is so important for that team because they're not as technically gifted elsewhere on the pitch. And having someone who, as Peter Moose has shown, is able to hold up play Chipping with some big goals, his physicality, his agility as well. Um, yeah, I think the reason he's got the move to Benfica is because he looks like a, a really good replacement for Darwin. Uh, should should he move on? So I think he has been an excellent bit of business for Boa Vista. And and like I said at the beginning, there just a, a sort of su- almost surprising at how they managed to acquire him. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. That's, that's why he's in minus as well. Simon Banza, I think, very similar. In fact, Simon Banza and Fran Navarro, those three strikers that are in there for both of us, all strikers that came to this league with no reputation at all, really, other than perhaps Peter Musa. But they've made really big impacts for their clubs and crucially impacts at smaller clubs as well. You know, it's such a cliche in football, but the striking position is one of the most difficult positions to recruit. So, you know, as this award is about best signing, I think those three bits of recruitment by those clubs to identify those players with not much reputation, but who came in and made a really big goal scoring impact for those clubs. I think that's why all three of those deserve to be on this shortlist. The thing with Simon Bunza, Albert, is I think like we've both touched on before, is his consistency. And I think that's what lets him down compared to the other two. I think Fran Navarro had a, a really good start to the season and all the way through till Christmas and perhaps tailed off a little bit toward the end of the season. But, you know, he consistently would would get on the score sheet, as with Musa. Uh, but Banza is sort of hit and miss thing, really did, you know, it didn't help with Famo Cow's up and down form we saw at patches. You know, it was almost came hand in hand with, with Banza getting on the score sheet. But, um, I think Fran Navarro is uh, the biggest surprise for me because I think out of, all, out of those two other players, other two other strikers, I think he came with the the very the, the smallest amount of street cred. If you see, what yeah, I mean. yeah, there, was, I, yeah. there was sort of nowhere, nothing to sort of go off really with him, and he he's been fantastic for. Sure. And he's a, to be fair to him, he's achieved the most out of those three players: sixteen goals for Navarro, fourteen for Banza, and eleven for Musa. So there's only one difference on this, Barney. Um, I went for Rodrigo Garbascal, you went for Zay Carlos and Zay Carlos in second place as well. Do you want to talk about him for a sec? With Zay Carlos, I felt it wasn't the, the missing piece of the puzzle for Gilles Vicente, but I think mm. he's such a strong player for them. I think he's been Mr. Consistent and the job he does on that right in terms of so solid defensively, but also can get get the you know get join their attacks as well. You compare that to the other side with uh, where you know Chalosha plays left back for Gilles Vicente. He's not quite as dynamic, you know, being that um, bit older. But I feel with um, Z Carlos, he's just been. I think he's just he's he's a bit of everything in that Silver Center type, which has worked so well. You know, they've been very good defensively. They've been very good going forward, and I think getting him on loan was just a really really smart bit of business, and and it just sort of helped. I'm not saying he's built, he's he's the foundation of that team, but you know, if do you see what I'm what I'm trying to get at with with the sort of offering options both ends of the pitch? That's why I think he's been so good. And the thing I like about Zay Carlos as well is actually because he came on loan and also didn't really have much reputation at Braga, I think he also has that surprise factor, which I think makes, which is what we're trying to get with the best signing as well. So do you know what? I do like Rodrigo Abascal as well. I think he's been quite an underrated player for for Bovista, I think he's a good defender. And, and when we say good signing, I think someone who didn't come in with a lot of 
reputation as well. But I think in, I'm happy to give you Zay Carlos on this list. But of course, Barney, let, let's talk about the number one spot. We, we both went for uh, Pablo Sarabia. I think this one was pretty nailed on. Came in on loan from PSG. Part of the deal that brought that took Nuno Menes to PSG. 15 goals, seven assists. Fantastic season. I got a feeling we're going to be talking about him more uh, in some of the other categories that come up. So we don't have to go too in-depth right now. But as an impact signing, I think, to come in and basically be Sporting's best player, that is really the definition of best signing. And do you know what? I, uh, another reason as well for me, I was that if you, you could have... Amaron and, and, and Sporting could have looked at that PSG squad and I think there's a fair few players there who who, who might have been susceptible to for a low move and because Sporting's attack had been so good last season you know why would they need to improve that but the fact that they did go with him and and, and he's come in and absolutely excelled is yeah it's been it's it's genius business to, to be frank isn't it it's, it's, it's been a, it's a really smart move well, they have it. the first award of the Long Ball Football Awards for the 21-22 season goes to Pablo Sarabia for best signing of the season. Let's quickly do the companion award to this one, Barney, and something that we're going to have a bit more fun with. Worst signing of the season. Now, this is an award we did last year and we're going to do it again. Quite a few candidates in this one. I believe we've got the same shortlist, so I'll just read it out. We've got João Mario of Benfica in fifth place, Sandro of Bsat in fourth place, uh, Wendell of Porto in, in third place, Ruben Samedo of Porto in second place, and in number one spot, Ruben Vinagre of Sporting. Now, let's start from the bottom up. João Mario, I just had to include him. But you know what? He's not been that bad. He's played 28 games this season. He's got a few goals, a few assists. He just cracked me up so much. The whole saga that went on in the summer, you know, obviously he was on loan at Sporting, then he was moved to Benfica as a free agent. They kind of rescinded his contract so that Sporting didn't have to pay some kind of fee. It was all like cloak and dagger stuff, real drama. And then he wasn't even that good anyway. So that's, I just kind of wanted to include him for that reason. The whole thing just made me laugh, really. You know, once again, smart from Sporting not to sort of bet the house on on, on him. And, you know, he's got no sell-on value. He, I mean, I like you said, he was all right at the start of the season. I thought, you know, there was some really, there was some good moments even in the Champions League. But, um, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't worked out as, as as we thought it'd be. I mean, he was your um, did you put down as top assists for? Are you going to bring? Are you going to bring it up again? <laughs> He's going to bring it up again. Christ. And yes, anyone who didn't listen to last week's episode, there's a funny bit at the beginning where me and Barney recap our predictions for the season, and yeah, one of us predicted that João Mario may end the season with uh, the most assists in the league. Fair to say that didn't happen. Fourth place, Barney Sandro. Now, if there wasn't a representative from B side on the list, it wouldn't be the Lobal Football Podcast. I had to go with Sandro. The Premier League Spurs legend signed in the summer on a free agent as what 35 years old. What could possibly go wrong? Well, he played, he made six appearances and annoyingly did score a goal, and it was actually quite a good goal. So he almost did too well to qualify for this list. But just that signing of um, you know, big name player who just comes in at B side on a free agent and does absolutely nothing. It's it's so predictable. <laughs> was it did they sign Kalu last season? I'm not dreaming now. <laughs> there was at least talk of it. I can't even remember. Um, yeah, no, I think that was a, a very, very funny signing. But, but also, I did have high hopes for him. I, I, I love Sandro <laughs> when he was at Spurs. But no, that didn't work out. Uh, shall we move on to our third place? Because um, I think we both went with Wendell as well for Porto. Yeah. Now, this is a more of a serious one that's probably worth discussion because Wendell was brought in in the summer. We knew Porto only had one left back on the books, really. So he was brought in as more of a serious signing, really. 
decent transfer fee spent on him, I believe around £4 million. Uh, quite high expectations and made quite a high number of appearances. But it's fair to say that he hasn't made an impact at all, really. He wasn't able to take Zaidu Sanusi's place, and Zaidu was the one that people kind of felt needed upgrading anyway. So I feel like that has to go down as a poor signing. Yeah, and I think especially um, with this category, we do need to think about the transfer fees because though four million might not sound as much, we know that is quite a significant chunk in this league, even for the big, for the big free to be spending players. So yeah, no, I think he, he really disappointed me as well. I was, I was, like you said, I was expecting him to get the nailed on left back spot, but he, he certainly hasn't. Um, not the only Porto player in this list, Barney. Second place, uh, Ruben Semedo. I was determined to put this guy in the list. I almost wanted to put him first. I swear to God, Ruben Semedo has been linked with a top Portuguese club every transfer window that we've done this podcast, every single one. He's like the name that kept popping up, so, you know, to come in and fill someone's centre-back problem. He comes with a whole host of issues, like some of the problems that he's had in his personal life. It just, the list is endless. It's like incredible. I swear to God, he's accused of like having a gun in a bar or something crazy. Porto sign him. They finally pull the trigger. They bring him in. And what happens, Barney? He makes... One appearance in the last five minutes of the last game in the season, an absolute waste of time for absolutely everybody. I think my favourite part of the whole saga was um, because I think that gun incident was in Spain. So like if Porto <laughs> had drawn a Spanish team in the Champions League, he couldn't have played because he's not allowed to go to Spain. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, yeah, like you said, just a, a lovely old job for sticking on the last game of the season just to get his medal. I mean, I think there is a touch of, I think we've seen this Porto does a few, few times but they will sign in January but like with a view of next season when the expected departures we're expecting November to leave but still like you know that was it's, it's a comedy signing for me I, I just think it's such a bizarre character fully deserves to be second place but of course Barney first place again and this is more of a serious one as well top place we have given to Ruben Vanagre and I, it does feel harsh to do that but I don't think you can really argue that there was a worse signing uh, as only 12 appearances made in the league, really did not cement himself in that sporting team at all, failed to deliver, failed to live up to what we hoped he would be. And the crucial thing, Barney, is just the price tag that Sporting spent on him, you know, bought from a Premier League side. I don't know what the actual final figure is. I think there was an initial outlay of around 10 million euros, which is just incredible. There's even a suggestion that that could rise to more like 15. I stand to be corrected if I'm wrong there, but whatever it was, it was a very big transfer fee for a player that's only played a handful of appearances and really not contributed anything to that sporting side. I know. I feel like this isn't the last we're going to be discussing Vinagre in the future because I feel like they're stuck with him. Didn't they also trigger the, like because he played a certain amount of games, they triggered the the... The, the buying clause or something that yeah. was in the contract so like it, it got very messy and and then for them to and since after that he, he's barely played at all I, I mean so disappointing and mm. I, and there were big, big shoes to fill in Nuno Mendes but we'd seen Vinagre in the league already he'd done alright yeah. he, he, yeah. he, he, you know it was just yeah a real real disappointment and I think that's that's a, a significant amount of money for Sporting to kind of spend on him as well and and you know, that's, that, that affects them in January when they were looking for a strike. You know, it's, they sort of, their hands were tight. Yeah, and I think it will probably affect them in this transfer window as well. That's why I think it is fair to say that Ruben Van to Sporting has to be considered the worst signing of the season. I mean, I've got some honourable mentions, Albert, for this category because like, I don't know, maybe it's recency bias of this one, but um, Raul Silva from uh, Braga to Estoril in January, <laughs> I felt like that was a panic buy. And then also, wasn't it his like, first game where he got that ridiculous red card? Yes, it was. 
<laughs> that stuck out for me because he's ancient as well. So the, 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 he's not going to make any money on him. And also, I slightly this is a bit more serious one. Juremchuk came close to me, Albert. Yeah, I that's a fair point. He, he, he's been a, a real disappointment for Benfica. I think they were once again a significant amount of money. There was also the rumours of moving to Sporting, and you know, with Sporting not getting him or Jao Maria. That I think that's quite funny as well. That you know, <laughs> the, the two two flops, but um, yeah, those two came close. But I think um, we're definitely right to give to give this award to Vinagre. And uh, I hope he accepts it gracious. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. The Long Ball Football Award for worst signing of the season goes to Ruben Managre to Sporting. All right, then, Barney. Well, let's move on to the really serious awards for this season. We're going to be doing best young player, best manager, and then player. And we're going to start with best young player. Now, the criteria for best young player, because we wanted to make sure we gave a fair opportunity to all the players eligible. So we made the criteria that a player had to be 21 or under at the start of this season. So some of these players might be 22 years old now, but every player in our shortlist would have started the season at either 21 or under. Now, I'm going to go first, Barney. I'm going to give you the shortlist that I came up with. I came up with five names. I have to say, I found it quite easy apart from maybe one. So in fifth place, I went for Afonso Souza of BSAD. In fourth place, I went for Inacio of Sporting. In third place, I went for Fabio Vieira of Porto. In second place, I've gone for Samuelino of Gil Vicente. And in first place, I've gone for Vitinha from Porto. But I'm interested to hear your choices. I've actually gone quite different on this one. I think this is going to be an interesting one to discuss. So, Fifth place for me, I've gone Lewis Junior from Famalicao, uh, the goalkeeper. Fourth place, I've stuck in another Famalicao player in Penetra, the centre-back. I've then gone Fabio Vieira, and then the top two is the same, Samuelino Vitinha. Now, I've, I want to stick with Lewis Junior, the keeper, because I feel like it's very easy to overlook goalkeepers generally when we do these awards in there. And when I was looking at players' ages, and I saw the fact that he was 21 years old, I was so taken aback. Because he's played out of uh, all the players 21 and under at the start of the season, he's played the most minutes by any player in this league. He's played 31 times a family car. He's kept eight clean sheets in that time. Um, some decent performances in goal as well. I mean, he's not, he's, he's never particularly lit it up, but I think for a young keeper to sort of be that foundation for family car, and they have been up and down defensively but I think he's I don't know just a player that I, I feel like I've sort of overlooked as the season's gone on and uh, somebody deserves a lot more credit than he's got perhaps That's fascinating Barney genuinely I had no idea about his age even so I think that's a really really good shout fair play I'm, yeah I'm really impressed with that call um, let's talk about Penetra as well Barney because Penetra's someone that almost made it onto my list he was possibly my sixth, sixth choice you know I like him a lot good young player I know a lot of Benfica fans will be familiar with him and he's played for Portugal at uh, youth level. Um, very good defender who's stepped up and been a key player in Family Cow's back line many times this season. Had a couple of mistakes as well. I think he's had a couple of red cards. He's had a couple of difficult games. But for a young player to be playing as many minutes as he had and to be taking on the responsibility that he's had, that, that that's really impressed me. And I, He's a player I do like a lot. I think that's how, but this is where I came down to with him and, 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 and Nasha, if I'm honest, who's on your list. I think with Penetra, we've seen someone um, step up their game this season. We've seen someone, uh, as you say, be a leader, be a, at such a young age um, and a real important player for that club as a whole. You know, the family Cal fans really connect with him. But, and, and, and my sort of reasons for not wanting a Nasha is because I feel like 
yes, he had a great season last year. I feel like this year he hasn't been as 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 good as as noticeable. I'll say. But here's the crux, Albert. I think talking to you now, <laughs> you highlight those mistakes about Penetra. They have been quite costly to Fair McCown games, haven't they? There's been big mistakes. And I, I don't think we get that with Inacio. Yes, he's might have been sort of slightly underwhelming to let's say this season, but generally he's been he's consistent he's been consistent, hasn't he? And he he's he's not sort of one of those defenders who who will make a big mistake like like, like Penetra has. Yeah, I think I think this is possibly going to be our first disagreement of the show. I think I think it's a mistake not putting Inacio in that list. I think as you say, no, I, I'm 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 more than happy to accept that perhaps he hasn't he hasn't looked quite as maybe amazing as we hoped he would. You know, you know, you look at the way Nuno Mendes had an incredible season at such a young age and really was one of the best players in that team. And that's so you wouldn't say he's one of the top players in in that team, but I think he definitely deserves to be in that starting eleven at such a young age. I think that's so key. Twenty eight appearances, thirteen clean sheets, four goals, Barney. I think four goals is quite a big stat from centre back. So for me. I would definitely have him. And I, like I said, I do like Penetra, but personally, I would have him above Penetra. Now, both two fantastic centre-backs. I think that's a great centre-back pairing for Portugal in the future. Who knows? But yeah, for me, Inacio would be uh, would be the one above that. And did we have the same top three, Barney? Fabio Vieira, Samuelino and Bettina. Fabio Vieira, I want to talk about because there's been times this season where he's been my favourite Porto player. And I just, I just love the way he's come into the team this season. As you know, he, he was almost overshadowed by Vitinho early on. He was kind of struggling to get into the team, given more minutes here and there. His goal return this season, Barney, is absolutely exceptional. Six goals and fourteen assists is an incredible return for such a young player. I would love to see him. You know, I would love to see him play thirty games for Porto next season. I, I would just love to see him really given a chance as team because I think he's such a good player, beautiful left foot, really tricky. He obviously loves the club. You know, he comes from the academy. Look, I really like the guy. It was hard for me to put him third almost. I wanted to put him second, but just phenomenal footballer. I think the, the, my biggest takeaway from Fabio Vieira has been the fact that he let Cochesal move away from playing two strikers. He, he was the only player who's done it for me. Like the, the, what he offered in playing Further forward than the rest of the field, but not as an out and out striker. And just, yeah, like the assists were the one for me. Howard. There was some huge game, there were some big games where he, he, put, he put in some, some big assists. And yeah, I think he's been absolutely uh, a delight to watch. And I think a big season on the cards for next season. Samuel Lino, Albert, my, my man. How hard was it not to give him the top spot? It was hard. I'm going to say it was hard <laughs> because I've, I've talked about him a lot on this show. But those who have been watching him since last season would have seen the levels he's gone up in this one is is almost unbelievable, and I, I, I like we're almost seeing like a completely a far more polished player. I, I, I'm finding it hard to define the words out, but I, maybe I should let you talk about him because I talk about it so much. <laughs> no, I think that's a good way of putting it. He is a more polished player this season. I think when you look at him now, you you see a young player, but you see a player with so much potential. You see the finishing, the speed, but also the physicality. I think when you look at his physique, he looks like a player who could grow into such a physically imposing player while keeping his speed, keeping his explosiveness, great finishing. He could even improve on things like uh, his his uh, his aerial prowess as well. You know, he adds so many things to his game. The potential that this guy has is what I think makes him so exciting because there's very few players, very few attacking players who are all-rounders, 
Uh, and I think he has the potential to be one of those rare players who excels in in a number of ways. So, yeah, really exciting player. 11 goals this season, five assists, such a key man. You know, historic season for Gilles Vicente, and he was such a key part of that. I'm not sure whether it has been officially confirmed yet. It seems like this story has been around since January, but I think he's off to Atletico Madrid. So that's a really fascinating challenge, whether he stays and plays in that team or whether maybe they loan him out to a La Liga club. Either way, he's a player who's made an impression on both of us and I'm sure an impression on most of our listeners. So someone whose career will be following uh, very closely closely and, and someone who it has been really a pleasure to watch for the last two seasons but a top spot again Barney a top spot that we agreed on so it makes it nice and easy uh, Vitinha from Porto now interestingly his numbers in terms of goal contributions not that huge only six goal contributions this season but that doesn't tell the full story of this player you know a young player who really no one knew where he was going to be at the start of the season it was unclear whether Wolves were going to take up the option to buy him they seemed to balk at the price I think it was 20 million uh, well, it's safe to say that Patinho now at the end of the season is worth far more than 20 million euros as a play. He's fantastic. He's worked his way into the Porto starting 11 for their title winning season. He's worked his way into the Portugal national team as a senior player. Um, he really is living the dream for any young player in that Porto academy. You'll be looking up to him and going, that's where I want to be in a few years. So much skill, so much technical ability. Um plays like a player with with no with no fear he plays with complete confidence and and freedom um and I, in my opinion one of those rare players that doesn't come around very often i touched it there with fabio vieira about how um you know conscious has been able to to change his tactics this season and and for me the reason Porto have done so well this season is that that change in style that they've gone through and the team is absolutely key to that right i mean the season they had this season, they had the highest possession in the league uh, with 63.2% and a pass actually of 84.5. Last season, it was 57.9% with a pass accuracy of 82.9%. So you see the, the growth in that. And I, I, was, I would suggest that Vettini is really the, the reason for that. Um, and and it, you're, you're right when you said, you know, he's, he's not banging in the assists. He's not banging in the goals. You know, he's just got the free assists for the season. But it's it's the way he builds up play and, and and plays passes you don't expect. There was a game I was watching that stuck with me where the play was throwing from the back. Pepe was played it to Sanusi, who then played it back inside to Ribe and then to Bettina. And all the players for the opposition and even most of the Porto players were were following that flow, that movement across the pitch, and were expecting the ball to go out wide, but. Fatini suddenly plays a, a pass back inside to Tremi and then and that creates space for uh, Jamari on the right. And it, those things, Albert, I think you described it perfectly there where you said that this is the type of player that doesn't come around very often. That you know, the, he really reminds me of the, the top, top players, you know, like your Javis, your Iniestas, like that's just able to find his passes. I think he's a, an absolutely worthy winner of this this category. He's been just such a pleasure to, pleasure to watch this season. And another player, Barney, whose who's next season will be, be fascinating. Interestingly, not many people linking him with a move away from Porto. Um, I, you know, I would more, I would love to see him stay another year and be a big part of Porto's season next year. But of course, you know, with these type of players, there's always a possibility that a big club comes in for them. And I think, you know, over the next three to five years, that will be really fascinating to see what kind of club he's playing for, what kind of level he's playing at, because the potential is really there. So, yeah. His next stages are going to be fascinating, but whatever happens in the future, this season he has really cemented himself as one of Portugal's best young players. And of course, that is why he is uh, 
the official long ball football best young player of the 2021-22 season. All right then, Barney, two big categories left. Best manager and best player. Now, we're going to do best manager first. And I'm going to let you go first, Barney, with your shortlist of five managers for best manager of the season. Um, I've gone for Alvaro Pacheco, Bruno Pinheiro, Ricardo Suarez, uh, Carlos Carvajal and uh, Conchasau as my, as my top five. Ooh, okay. Well, there's one big omission there. I will just read off mine. So in fifth place, also, I've gone for Alvaro Pacheco. In fourth place, I've gone Carlos Cavaliao. Third place, I've gone for Ruben Amarim. Second place, Ricardo Suarez. And first place, Sergio Conchasau. Barney, we've got to start with the elephant in the room. Ruben Amarim, what's he done to disappoint you so much? Uh, <laughs> well, look, he, he obviously won it last season, didn't he, for his uh, for phenomenal achievements. And yes... This season, they've also done incredibly well in the league. But I would say that the times when Sporting haven't done so well, be it the odd draw, the odd loss, I feel like it's been down to his decisions, if you see what I mean. I think there was potential for him to have done even better this season. And I know that would have been astronomical, being better than they have been. It would have been, you know, almost inconceivable. But I do think there was enough things for me to see that I felt like he could have done differently. And that's why I've left him out. And it's, you know, I'm not saying he's he's not like I said. I'm not saying he's not he's done not done incredibly well. I just feel like there's there's a you know it's easier to pick out the the faults of the big three managers, isn't it? Like you know what I mean. But no, I I, I accept that, and I think we should again just say that obviously these awards are relative. So you know, best manager doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the managers who finished in the top five. This is about what they've achieved with the clubs. That they're at, hence why Alvaro Pacheco is in both of our lists. I would disagree though, Barney, because I think Ruben Amarim has still had a fantastic season. We spoke last week on our season roundup about how Sporting is still had a good season. Second place, of course, by 85 points. They achieved the same points tally. They won 27 games. They got to the Champions League round of 16 and they won the Tasca de Liga. So I'm really going to have to firmly disagree. I think Ruben Amarim, he's only in third place for me, but I still think he's one of the best if not the best managers in this league, not had uh, an exceptional, exceptional season, but still done very well and done not much less than you could have asked for. Barney, the thing we're really going to fall out about is you've not gone for Ruben Amarim, but you put in Bruno Pinheiro. Bruno Pinheiro, not only did he not make my top five, I've got two honourable mentions and he's not even one of those. I'm surprised by this. <laughs> well, no, I think their achievement first half of the season, I, I, I don't think we can underestimate. I think that's, you know, for a promoter team to come up, play the football they were playing, it was almost inc- like it was un- almost unheard of. It was inconceivable to me, and, and and they were doing it. And I know they did drop off the second half of the season, but you know there are a lot of those players that are players he what with last season too. You know, it, it was maybe I'm looking too big picture with Pinheiro and being on top of, but I feel like the what he's done with that team and the players he's produced. You know, he he's developed. You know, I'm talking about Rosie and midfield Andre Franco. You know, they sold Chiquinho to Wolves for goodness sake. Like you know these players that. He's he's nurtured and I and I don't know when maybe I was feeling too, <laughs> really rooting for the small guy when I was going for these these picks but I, I don't know I just feel I I just don't think we I feel like their story was it seemed sadder than it was because they dropped off second half of the season but that you know they they did so so well do you know what fair enough I think you made some good points there and and, and we said the same thing again 
on last week's season roundup, we said the same thing. That's easily easy to forget that SRO are a newly promoted side. So, you know, we do have to give them credit. And that first half of the season, let's face it, if that season had ended in January, every single person who watches Portuguese football would have had Bruno Pinheiro in their top, possibly even their top three coaches in this league, you know. So I think it's easy to forget that. Fair enough. For me, the dip was enough to take him out of my top five, which is why he's not in there. But no, I think you made some really good points. We've mentioned Alvaro Pacheco a couple of times. We talk about him, Barney. He's both of our fifth place. Um, I really wanted to get him in there because I think, you know, being a good manager is not about just getting your team to the highest place in the table. It's, as we say, relative to what you can expect from your team. He finished in 14th place, only seven wins for the season, but he survived with one of the weakest squads in the league. And not only that, this is about the identity that he's imparted on that team. And in a way, I feel like we're taking into account the last couple of seasons and their story in a whole. I'm sure the listeners can forgive us a bit of emotion when it comes to giving Alvaro Pacheco fifth place. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will sympathise with that. But the way he's done what he's done with the players that he's got, a lot of the players that he had in the second division, a lot of the players that he's even had in the third division, and the way that he's believed in those players and told them that they're good enough, and then they've proved it. I think that's what makes a great coach. So I think he deserves to be talked about in this top five. Yeah, I think, you know, that that, that I, I was writing down the exact same stuff as you, man, but I think the, the the players that he's worked with for the last two or three years, Coffee Cow is ranked seven in the league for tackles per game. Mohamed Idara, the centre-back, is third for clearances in the league. Kiki, the left-back, is ninth in the league for crosses per game. You know, these are all players he's worked with and brought up to this division and that they're absolutely excelling. I mean, I, th- I think the other thing, Albert, is, you know, they've had some great games. They've been really mm. fun to watch. Mm. I think they've scored at least one goal in 23 of their 34 games this season. You know, th- there's, a, there's a good style of football that he's brought with them as well. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's very fitting that he's in both our shortlists. He's, he's been fantastic. And remind me, Barney, where have you placed Carlos Cavalier? I actually went with second. Wow, great. Okay, well, he was my fourth place, but we both got him in there. I'm interested. Go on, talk to me about him then. Maybe it's because he's leaving us, and it, you know, I, I don't <laughs> want him to. But I don't know. I just had a lot of. I, I really had went went through my ups and downs with Carver How this season, and I think you know, so the Braga fans and Braga as well. I, I think there was a point. It might have been around the seven-one hammering from Benfica, where he was almost out the door. I thought, and then. And then he turned things around, and then they're the success in the Europa League. And then you re- and then I realised what he was actually doing. He, he's of all the clubs in this league, Albert um, Braga have fielded forty different players, which is by far the, the most by any team. And he's brought through these youngsters. He's worked with a, you know, a, a mismatched squad. You know, there are some decent players there, but there are a lot of nobodies and a, a lot of people who shouldn't be de- there you know we saw Roger the 16 year old kid get on in some games like I think now he's leaving I can really appreciate what he's done there and I, and I think it's it might seem from outside as the easiest thing for brothers to get fourth spot every year but I, I think I really think this year I realize it is it is a lot harder than it might seem yeah no I totally agree with that and you know he was only fourth place for me but he was behind some good managers so definitely I consider him one of the best managers in the league, not just this season, but last season as well. As you say, fourth place, two years in a row, exactly what they asked of him. And I think European competition, they did quite well this, this season as well. You know, quarterfinals of the Europa League, I think that's their best result in, in many years. So very good for them. I agree with everything you just said. Nurturing young players, stabilising the team. 
I'll repeat what I said last week as well. He's left that club in such a good spot. Um, I think that's a good sign of of what he's achieved as Braga manager. So yeah, definitely worthy of being in this shortlist. Um, but he was behind for me, Barney. Uh, Ricardo Suarez, who from Gil Vicente. Now, Ricardo Suarez takes my second place spot and your third place. So not too big a difference. Both Everyone knows that he's a highly rated manager by both of us. Now, for me, it wasn't really a case of him being second or third. It was more about whether he was going to be second or first. So I really rate him that highly. And I think the job he's done this year at, at Gil Vicente has been that good. Fifth place, 51 points. Gil Vicente's highest ever finish, I believe. Um, European football for the first time in the club's history. Uh, the way he's brought out the best in players like Pedrinho, Zay Carlos, Fujimoto. Uh, that centre-back pairing that he's worked so well with. Um, I think he's ticked so many boxes this season. I think the job he's done at Gil Vicente is, is, is miraculous, really. It's so far above what what people really expected and what was reasonable to expect of that team with, with those players, those misfits, you know, those, those players that they've kind of pulled from four corners of the earth, that the nobodies that he's turned into such a good team. And I really don't think we can underestimate what a good job he's done. So my second place, I was yeah more than happy to give him that. I've got a sort of counter thing to say about him, but like I don't want people to misunderstand me. And I, I you know, I, I think I rate him as highly as you do. I think he's been, but what I would say is that, I think he's been very, very, very lucky with injuries this season. I think if there was a, a couple more, I know they lost Mario, who they had on loan from Braga, and who was being um, playing fantastically well um, before he 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 would miss uh, the second half of the season. But I think if he was to lose one or two players, like maybe lose a Pedrino, maybe lose a, a Lucas Cunha in the back, I think with them it might have seen him struggle a bit more. And they did have that slight dip at, towards the end of the season where you know one or two players were missing around those times, but. That that's my only that that is literally my only negative thing I have to say about him. I think he's done phenomenally well, and I think you know what, Albert. I think I've been I found it hard to describe their playing style throughout the season because it's so. I think it's actually quite complex, and I think he's he's really tapped into something, and he's found a, a style of play that is I think effective against all teams in this league, not just um, those outside of the big three or four. I think he's found a, a, a really good playing style. Um, before we move on to the top spot, Barney, any honourable mentions? I've got. A couple of honourable mentions I just wanted to talk about. Um, Armando Evangelista, Aruca. I mean, I know they finished just one place above relegation, but I think the fact that they survived in general means that he deserves a little a little mention. Uh, Vasco Siabra as well for Maritimo. I think we forget what a good job he did turning their season around. I think they went from 17th to 10th. So, you know, very good result from them. And Mario Silva at Santa Clara. Now, he was one that almost, almost made it in ahead of Alvaro Pacheco, but... Uh, he just misses out for me. Santa Clara manager came in uh, when the club was in 13th place and in quite a mess and they finished uh, in seventh, just outside the European spot. So they were my honourable mentions. I don't know if there's anyone you wanted to talk about quickly. No, and uh, the only one I would add, Albert, is um, uh, Rui Pedro Silva for Family Cow. I think since he's come in, yeah. he's actually got the sixth highest points per game uh, average out of uh, all the current serving managers. So um, he's he's done a fantastic job there as well. So, but yeah, no, I think I, I was more I was more inclined to go with a manager who's been there uh, yeah. the whole season and, and recently come through. So yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> who's got first spot? <laughs> of course, Sergio Constanza. I think that one again was pretty nailed on, but it's hundred a hundred percent deserved in my opinion. I know even as we record this today, there was some debate going on on Twitter because some Twitter accounts gave it to Ricardo Suarez ahead of Sergio Constanza. As much as I love Ricardo, I don't think there can be any debate at all about the number one spot. 
Um, of course, a championship winning season. He won the Tusk to Portugal this weekend. 91 points for Porto. It's a phenomenal points tally. 58 games in a row unbeaten, though, of course, that includes games from last season. 29 wins, only one loss. The, the Europa League round of 16, you know, the list goes on. It was just uh incredible season. We've spoken so much about Porto. We're not going to go on about it too long, but... For me, the best manager in the season, he outmanaged Amarim when they played sporting. He outmanaged whatever Benfica manager was in charge whenever they played Benfica. Uh, and he deserves to be top of the pile when it comes to best managers this season. Yeah, he really tapped into something at, at Porto this season, didn't he? he you know, because his team last year were were fighters, they were um, you know, they, they worked so hard for him, they would just just really dig in, in in games, and we saw that in the Champions League in particular. But this season it was a Maybe a mentality shift from him, but because th- when they won, they won in star. They won by heavy goal margins. They yeah. they were re- relentless. They were ruthless, and it, it, the sort of the the fight that these players had wasn't necessarily the sort of you know fighting for 50-50s, going for every ball. It was a more of sort of you know we are gonna we're gonna win and we're gonna we're gonna win in style. So he's really shown me his credibility because there's been he's had fans across Europe for several seasons now, but I think this this season for him. Has certainly put him on the map. I expect him to go to uh, a, a, another big league in Europe and, and probably have great success there as well. I think he's he's a, a phenomenal manager in terms of motivating his teams. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt in him him getting getting the getting the manager of the season award for us. And seeing him dancing around with that cigar in his mouth after they won the league just made him maybe love him a little bit more. Well, of course, no debate. The winner of the Long Ball Football Manager of the Season Award goes to Sergio Conceição of Porto and well-deserved too. Well, look, we've got one category left and it's a big one, Barney. The biggest award of the season so far as we crown our best player from the 2021-22 Premier League season. Remember, we could only pick a five-man shortlist and one winner And I'm going to go first, Barney, by giving you my shortlist from fifth to first. In fifth place, I went for our young player of the season, Vitinha. In fourth place, I went for Ricardo Horta of Braga. In third place, I've gone for Mehdi Taremi from Porto. In second place, I've gone for Darwin Nunes. And in first place, I've gone for Pablo Sarabia of Sporting. Bonnie's got his head in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't expecting that. I've got to be honest. Okay. So I've we got I've got one difference on this five hour. I've gone um I've gone Pedrina for Gilbert. I've gone Ricardo Horta. I've gone Sarabia third. I've gone Darwin second. I've gone Tremi first. That's that's what I've been trying. That's it. That's wow. why it feels good. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay, a lot to talk about. Let's start with the easy one. Pedrinho. Now, Pedrinho makes my honourable mentions and I really wanted to include him, but I couldn't quite do it. I thought, I just thought Vitinho was slightly better. I really wanted to bring him in because Pedrinho for me is one of my favourite players this season and we haven't really found an award for him to shine in and I really wanted to find one for him to shine in because I think he deserves some kind of accolade for what he's done this season. I want it on the record that I love this player. I think he's phenomenal. I think he could play for a bigger team. And I think the season he's had has been inspirational to come from where he came from. And I know you're going to talk about this, Barney, and then to just be one of the best players in the league for one of the revelatory clubs of the season. 
phenomenal. I really wanted to include him. I went with Vitinha just because he won out. He was my top spot for young player. And, you know, Vitinha, a senior Portugal international and an incredible footballer. Hard to disagree with that. Um, but Pedrinho just missed out. But he made it into your shortlist, Barney, so I'm pleased about that. Well, do you know what? I think there's, hearing you talk about Vitinho there and earlier, I think there are a lot of similarities between the two, I think. And, and in terms of being that orchestrator and being the the catalyst for a, a playing style in, the, in their respective teams, I think the main difference for me is that I feel like Pedrinho's passing range is he plays a bit, a bit more long balls than Bettina does, and I think that's what's helped your centre. You know, they like to they like to play get forward quickly. They like to get balls outside quickly to the wingers and then cut inside and tap the fence. And you know, Pedrinho's the uh, only Alvarez uh the only outfield player to have averaged more successful long balls per game than Pedrinho. You know, he really ticks that team over. Um, he's popped up with some good assists as well. He's just been so effective playing that role in midfield and having players like Fujimoto and Lino run on and him to find those passes. I think you mentioned the story there, the fact that he was um, playing in the Latvian league a, a couple of seasons ago before coming back to Portugal. And that tells a story in itself, you know, uh, no disrespect to the Latvian league, but the, the quality of football there is, uh, I can't imagine it being particularly good, <laughs> but, when, but whereas... Pedrino has honestly showed me some his ability that yeah, I've seen from him this season. He could be at any any club in this league, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I've went with him just because I think like Vitinha, he's he's been he's the main man for Gil Vicente that, that, that's allowed them to, to play the football they have, which is what we've all enjoyed watching. All right, well let's move on to an easy one, Barney, because then we both had Ricardo Water in fourth place, and we can both comfortably agree that he deserved to be in the top five players of the season. 32 appearances this season, 19 goals, five assists, a call up to the Portugal national team for the Nations League. He broke Braga's all-time goal-scoring record and has been one of the top goal scorers in the league this season. An incredible individual season for a man who is really a Braga club legend, who's led his club from the front, the captain, the leader, uh, one of the best players in this league and just a joy to watch every week. He's probably on this list one of the most effective attacking players that are all of them in terms of being an all-rounder, I feel. If you look at the, the top 10 goal scorers in the league and look at the other stats for those players, no one is close to Ricardo Rodo in, in key passes per game. You know, the, the closest was Luis Diaz, which I think shows you the company that Horta is in in terms of statistics. You know, that talisman who shares goals and creativity, you know, always doing something uh, to, to help the team score. And I mentioned that statistic when talking about Carvajal, that Braga fielded 40 different players this season. Having a player like him at the front line, you know, being that Mr. Consistent, allowing other, bringing other players into, into play, you know, it's so important. So, yeah, he's had an absolutely incredible season. Um, and it's just been brilliant. Yeah, 100%. Very easy one. And I'm sure all our listeners will agree with that. Well, top three, Barney, and this is where it starts to get a bit, Messi. Now, where should we start? Let's start, I think, with Darwin, because he was neither of our top choice, um, but he was my second and your third choice. So I'm really interested to hear why he's third for you. And we'll talk about Tremi and Sarabia in just a second. But interesting why you put him below those two players. Right. So obviously, 26 goals. Brilliant. I'll, I'll briefly, I'll quickly gloss over the hat trick against Bissad. Um, <laughs> Here we go. But, <laughs> but that got me thinking about that hat trick about because um, around that time as well there was the six one win against Braga, seven one against Maritima, and um, 
it just got me thinking about how many important goals did he score for Benfica. And, and to be fair to him, towards the end of the season, and also in the Champions League, there were a few. You know, there was the two goals in the the two one win over Santa Clara, the one in the two 0 win against Sporting, and and a hat trick against Bisa after they'd gone down uh, by a goal. And and Bisa had been doing okay at that point as well. And I do think we saw him become the main man for Benfica second half of the season. I would have sort of, I would have given that to Rafa because um, his first half was uh, incredible. And, and by the way, if he if Rafa kept that up, he was of course be uh, possibly my player of the season. But anyway, I think I think with Darwin, I, individually he's had an excellent season, really good, really good season. But I don't think his effect on the team has been as big as Taremi's and Sarabia's. That that that's the reason I, I've stuck him third. And you know, even in comparison to Horty, you know, I, I, I say it again, I just don't think his. He's had a great personal year, but I don't think that it's translated into his, t- his the team success. That's uh, yeah, that's my reason. I think that's a very interesting point, Bonnie. I'm going to say two things to you about Darwin. The first, I think it's a, I think you've glossed over his goals in the Champions League a bit too quickly there, because I think you know if you're going to make the argument that he hasn't scored important goals, I think I would come back to you and say he scored important goals in the Champions League, and I think they are worth talking about. So I would I would slightly disagree there. I think, do you know what? You raise a really interesting discussion about whether scoring a lot of goals in the Premier League makes you the best player in the Premier League. And I'll bring you back to this time last season. Pedro Gonçalves was the best, was the top goal scorer in the league with 23 goals because of, I believe it was a hat-trick on the last day. Who was in second place, Barney? Do you remember? Tremi? Harris Seferovic with 22 goals from Benfica. Oh, yeah. And nobody at the end of that season would have dreamt of saying that Harris Seferovic was the second best player in the Premier League of that season. So I think it does raise an interesting point that scoring a lot of goals doesn't necessarily make you a great player. I think he has scored good goals and I think he has had a good season. Um, Let's bring this discussion on to to Taremi then because I put him above Taremi. And now, to be fair, I think you put your, your point out very eloquently and I now feel like I need to justify why I've put him above Taremi. I think... Taremi, 20 goals and 13 assists. Let's just not gloss over that. 13 assists, an incredible, incredible goal return from Eddie Taremi. I put Darwin ahead of him because, do you know what? Now I'm struggling to justify it. I thought top goal scorer in the league. I think you have to respect it. And I think he is a great footballer. I think he will go further in his career than Eddie Taremi did. I may live to regret that statement, but I, I, I do believe it's true. I think he is a more... I think he has the potential to be a better player, but then maybe as maybe I'm blinded by what he could be and what his goal tally suggests. Taremi, I would like to put on record for me in the top three players in this league and has been for the last two years. I am not underestimating Medi Taremi at all. He is an incredible player. I think he's I think he's Porto's best player. I think he's one of the best strikers in this league. The goal contributions are incredible. He's done that whilst sharing the goals with Evan Nilsson, you know. Darwin Nunes hasn't shared the goals with anybody. Mehdi Taremi's had to share the goals with Evan Nilsson. So um, I think he's an incredible footballer. I think his story as well. Portugal is the only European country he's ever played in, if I'm correct. And he's been an incredible player in this league. Yeah, I don't want to, I just don't want to make people think that I'm underestimating Mehdi Taremi. I, I, I respect him as a player so much. I think yeah, you're so right there about him sharing the goals. But I think that's possibly the reason that I've put him ahead. Um in first, because I feel like every every strike partnership he's been paired with at Porto, he's he's made that 
player better. You know, look at Tony Masters end of last season. Turemi slightly changed his game from the style he was playing with Morega to accommodate Martinez and, and Martinez thrived in that running. And I would say that's exactly what we've seen with Evan Nielsen. You know, he's he's Turemi's become cuter in the box, you know, finding slightly wider spaces, letting letting Evan Nielsen find dangerous spaces. And I think the goal contributions, as you said, are the, are the thing for me as, as, to, as to why I think he's been, he's been the best player. I think it's he's a... And I, I think, you know, that was a really fair point you made there about Darwin and perhaps something I should have considered too about, you know, let's be honest, Bayern Munich aren't going to come in for Mediterranean, but they, they would come in for Darwin. And I think that's a fair point. But I just, I feel like that whole way of looking at things is perhaps... Another reason why Tyrone is perhaps underrated by some player, and, and, and I guess this brings us on to a discussion with Sarabia because you've obviously um, put him first, and I, and I, I put Tyrone just above him. When I sat down to write my notes about Sarabia, and I'll be honest with you, I did have him placed first, but I, I suddenly had a complete change of heart, and I think, and you know what, it's all stemmed from the reason we do this podcast because we, we, we're rooting for the, the Portuguese league, and I think. The point, the thing I came around to thinking was like, are we just all swept up in the fact that this guy's on PSG and he's he's too expensive? He, he's he's like he's he's not gonna be like he's too good for this league. And and when we look at the rest of when we look at the rest of this shortlist, Albert Taremi's a prime example of this. Like, there are so many. This league is so underrated. The players in this league are so underrated, and. Who's to say that Taremi or Pedrino couldn't walk into PSG's team and, and, and have played just as good? You know what I mean? Like, people are just assuming Sarabia is going to go back to a, a top European club and, and kill it again. But who's to say that these players can't do it? I think that's that's why I suddenly had this whole emotional, like, you know, Taremi's my man. But yeah, I mean, I, I, once again, I know we've said this several times about several players. I do, I'm not saying that Sarabia's quality isn't there. He's been incredible to watch and and, and a pleasure and a privilege to watch as well as to say but I feel like yeah maybe people got swept up in the whole PSG thing that's all no do you know what I think that's a fair point and I think to be fair to you Barney you made a couple of big claims in these awards but I feel like you've you've argued your case eloquently at every single one and I, I really I really respect that you're back in Medi to Amy and I feel like he, you're right, he is one of the most underrated players in this league because of his age, maybe because he's not from a fashionable league, he wasn't signed from a big club, you know, because he's maybe Iranian and not Spanish. I think he is very underrated. So I like the fact you put him first. I will, I, I, I'm not convinced enough to change my top spot, just. I'm perhaps convinced enough to put him second. But for me, Sarabia is the best player in the league this season. And you know what? We've just had long discussions about context, about statistics. I can explain why Sarabia is the best player for me in this league in one simple sense. Pablo Sarabia is the best football player playing in Portugal. It's as simple as that. He is the best football player. I, I, I don't care about stats. I mean, I do care about stats, but in this case, I think you can take stats out the window. You can take reputation out the window. You can take age out the window. You can take past clubs out the window. You can take context out the window. Pablo Sarabia is the best football player playing in Portugal right now. He is operating on a level which is just above what anyone else is doing, just above. I know he's older. Darwin Nunes may go on to be a more decorated player. He may go on to even be a better player. But right now, this season for me, Pablo Sarabia is just the best football player in Portugal in terms of abilities. As I say, he's operating on a different level. He coasts through games. When he plays in games, he's just he's just operating on a different dynamic than every other player on the pitch, no matter who the opponent is. So for me, 
he is just a class above anything else that we have in this league, and he is my number one player. Oh, this has got to be one of the all-time great debates. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm so happy to concede to that, because the way you taught then was brilliant. And I think it's been, I think, you know what, it's been so good to have such a hard discussion for this award. Mm, yeah, yeah. We, we have had some real quality players this, this year. And I think the point you made there, which is, you know, take everything out the window, just just look at what you're watching, just appreciate what you're watching on TV. And yeah, Sarabia has done that for me so many times and, and uh, I'm happy to award it to him, mate. <laughs> okay. Well, do you know what? I thought that was going to be a lot messier than it was, but I feel like we've come to a good conclusion there and we will therefore award best player of the 21-22 season. The official long ball football award goes to Pablo Sarabia. But do you know what I'm going to end this by saying? I'm not even going to end this by just talking about Sarabia. We've got a candidate from Benfica, a candidate from Porto and a candidate from Sporting. And all three are arguably the best player in the league this season. All three you can make a great case for to be the top player. And I think that's a really good position for all three of those clubs. You know, maybe a few years ago, Sporting wouldn't have had a candidate. Maybe last year, Benfica wouldn't have had a candidate. So the fact that all three of those clubs have got a representative at the top of the table, I think, is... uh, it's really, really a good thing for all of those clubs. And Sarabia wins it this year, and I think that is the right decision. But some top players, and it's been fantastic to watch all of them this season. All right, then. Well, we've finished with the awards, and it just leaves us to end this season with our official long ball football team of the season. Similar to the awards, me and Barney have picked our teams. We don't know who the others picked. So we're going to read out our teams. We're going to talk about why we picked each player. Uh, and then hopefully at the end, we'll be able to come up with some kind of consensus and announce an official long ball football team of the season. So um, why don't you kick things off, Barney? Let us know what kind of formation you've gone with and, and what players you've chosen for your team of the season. I went with a, a classic 4-4-3 in the end. I went with... Um... Diogo Costa in goal from Porto. A little Porto heavy, actually. Uh, João Mario, Pepe and Sanusi are in my back four. And I also stuck Mateus Reese in there uh, at centre-back. I then went with a midfield of Vitinha, Mateus Nunes and Horta with a front three of Darwin, Taremi and Sarabia. Brilliant. OK, there's a few differences from mine, but I think that's a really strong team. And we'll talk about it in a second, but I'm loving your commitment to Porto's fullbacks. I really like that. OK, well, my team in the season is slightly different. I've gone for a 3-5-2, so I've got three centre-backs, three midfielders, two wingers, two strikers. Um, I've gone for Diogo Costa in goal as well. We'll have a chat about that in a second, but I think that's an easy one. Um, I've gone for Chancellor and Bemba, centre-back, and Pepe from Porto, both Porto centre-backs. And I've completed the back three with Mateus Reese from Sporting. Now, my midfield three, I've gone for Pedrino from Gilbercent, Otavio from Porto, and Vitinha from Porto as well. My two wingers, Sarabia and Ricardo Horta, and my two strikers, Darwin and Taremi. So I've gone, I changed the formation basically so I could get four attackers and three midfielders in. Um, so let's start at the back. I'm really I'm really uh, surprised by your fullback choices. I, if you'd asked me to predict your team, I wouldn't have picked either of those players. Um, Israel Mario, a name we've not mentioned uh, on this podcast, this episode, right back for Porto. Go on, tell me why you think he should be in. Well, do you know what, Albert? I think I, as with Salusi, I guess, I think when you think about fullbacks this season, there haven't really been that many standouts, have there? I think, I think so. It was, it wasn't quite a forced decision, but I think with Jean Mario, I think we saw 
Um, a, a young player come in, at not his natural position. I think when he, when we first started playing for Porto, he was more of a right midfielder. He's he's adapted, and he's just. I think it's uh, been consistent. He's gone about his business well. He's 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 been quite effective from that right by that spot. Um, in games, actually, been very creative uh, and put in some dangerous crosses. So. And then Sanusi, I think that's that Sanusi's completely recency bias in just the last game of the season. And that's how much how much love for him at the moment. But I think in general, I think, you know, I think the fact that you couldn't think of two fullbacks to get into your team of the season, or even just one, sorry, I think that tells you tells us a story about uh, the season it has been for fullbacks, you know, with Poro's injury, you know, Santos playing left wing back for for I mean, Grimaldo, we maybe could have been in there, but it, it, it hasn't. We haven't really been blessed with fullbacks this year, have we? I think the thing for me is, Bonnie, I, I could have picked a left back, uh, but I couldn't have picked a right back. You know, João Mario is an option, Zay Carlos is an option, even Gilberto Benfica is an option. But for me, I didn't think any of those three really warranted uh, a place in the team of the season, really. So that's why I kind of went for the compromise. Mateus Reese, we've seen him play left centre back. And left wing back, so he kind of filled that void for me. So we both went for Reese. Um, did you go for Pepe or Mbemba, Barney? I ended up going for Pepe. I, I've, I have rated Mbemba, but I think it's an interesting discussion. It is an interesting discussion. I, I, I don't know what it was. I think it was just the moment of you know people started talking about his age again, and that's just sort yeah. of just stuck with me. I was like, bloody hell, this guy is ridiculous for his age. I know he was out a fair few games, and and Bemba probably probably did play more games than him uh-huh. this season. Um, so yeah, I. But I think it's the, you know, the fact that he's the captain of Porto. It was it was their season. It was, you know, because you know, even though he would have played less games than a member, you know, the, he still would have been making impact in those games he wasn't on the pitch. You know, he mm-hmm. he still would have been contributing. So I don't know. I like him, Ben I think that's a great choice as well. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't choose between the two, and I think they both deserved it, really. I, if you if you forced me, I could pick one. And do you know what? Maybe I would go for Mbemba if you forced me. I think uh, I think Pepe is such an iconic figure that Mbemba's often overlooked. Um, and I think he's been just as good, if not better, than Pepe this season. So I think he will be a big loss because I think he's going to leave at the end of the season. Um, but I think he deserves to be in the side. And of course, finally, we both went for Diego Costa in goal. That, for me, again, was an easy one. Um, 33 appearances, 15 clean sheets, uh, the best goalkeeper in the league this season for me. Maybe you could have talked about Mateus from Braga, but I don't think anyone really comes close. I remember trying to work out when he first came onto the scene out at the beginning of the season and, and when he kept his place and trying to work out why Marshallson wasn't getting back into that team, what, what was the reason. And at the time, the only statistics I could find was that Diego Costa's distribution was far better. But since then, as the season progressed, you know, we've seen a, a slightly calmer figure in goal for Porto with, with Costa in there. I think we've seen a, a hell of a shot stopper and it's given them a bit more life, I think. I know it's a weird thing to say for a goalkeeper, but I think it's it's been a, a change of face that they perhaps needed. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Marshall and if all stories are correct, seems will be moving on at the end of the season. You know, he's not happy to be a, a bench player and, you know, that. the... the that's fair enough because there's, there's no way he'd be getting back into that team the way Diogo Costa's played this season. I think Porto could have their keeper for the next 10 years if it all works out, you know, Diogo Costa. So unless he chooses to move on. Um, let's move on to the midfield, Barney. Now, you had Ricardo Horta in midfield and I am on the wing. So I went for Otavio, Pedrinho and Vitinha. Who else did you go for instead of midfield? Uh, so I also had Vitinha, but I, I, I stuck in Mateus Nunes. And I think that's... Do you know what, Albert? I think there's been a theme for me this year that I've been harsh on sporting. 
and, and <laughs> for sort of no good reason, if you know what I mean. I, I, and, you know, I think earlier when we were discussing Nacho, but perhaps that's an example. And I think the same with Mateus Nunes. This has really been his first full season as a starter, hasn't it? And I think there's been, he's been some, great games for him you know he's and of course there's come some rumours of big clubs being in for him I think there's been a couple of times where I've described him as sort of going quiet in games going missing and I think that perhaps that's stayed at the forefront of my mind but what I think we have to really appreciate is, is a, a young midfielder playing the sort of the role that Jao Mario played last season for Sporting but but better I think getting forward attacking and um yeah, that's what that's why he's in there for me. I think uh, I think he's been quietly going about his business. I, I know I've said that a lot this podcast, but I think that that can be underappreciated as someone who's consistent and and reliable. Well, let's talk about attack then, Barney. I've gone for a front four. You've gone for a kind of three and three, but it's the same four players that make up the team: Sarabia, Ricardo, Horta, Darwin, and Taremi. So four easy choices, and I think you know. Uh, the formation is slightly different, but that front four, very easy to pick. I think we've spoken about all those players at length now in our uh, best player of the season discussion. I don't think anyone could argue with those four players' inclusion. Well, look, Barney, I think if we're going to settle on a best 11, we're both going to have to make some compromises. If I might humbly suggest um, we stick with my back three and you could pick a central midfielder to go into my midfield that we didn't choose, because other than that, I think we're like largely the same. Uh, do you know what, Albert? I think actually Otavio was my one that I was a bit un- unsure of for, for your choice. I think okay. I think Mateus Nunes and Otavio is probably quite a good debate about who, who, who's been better and why. But equally, Barney, I did have Pedrinho in mind. So I think perhaps Pedrinho... I know, but I love Pedrinho. <laughs> I know. I, all right, then fine. I, I, let's let's allow ourselves a bit of self-indulgence and in, include Pedrinho. He's one of our favourite players. I mean, the listeners will know that he's probably realistically not one of the three best midfielders, but I want to give him some credit. So we'll stick him in. All right, then. Well, I think that was a bit easier than I expected. Quite straightforward. So the official long ball football team of the season is Diogo Costa in goal from Porto, a back three of Mbemba, Pepe and Mateus Reis, a midfield of Pedrinho, Mateus Nunes and Vitinha, uh, and a front four of Sarabia, Ricardo Horta, Darwin and Taremi. Now, you can argue with the formation if you want, but look, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola plays a 3-3-4, so if it's good enough for Pep, then it's good enough for us. Well, we're nearly done for the show, Barney. We've just got a couple more fun sections. We've both picked uh, a best 11 of the season without players from the top four. That's something we always like to do. We're not going to debate that one. We're just going to give you our favourites. And then we've got a couple of listener questions to answer at the end of the show. Barney, I'm going to go for my non-big four, my non-top four 11 first. Uh, and I'm interested to see if you've gone for any of the same choices. So in goal, I've gone for Andre Ferreira from Passos de Ferreira. I've gone for Zay Carlos, our right back from Gil Vicente. Now, centre-back I found quite tough, but I did settle on Mateus Costa from Maritimo and Rodrigo Abascal from Boa Vista. And my left-back is Hamash, also from Boa Vista. My midfield, Pedrinho from Gil Vicente. Kiko Bondoso from Vizela. Andre Franco from Estero, and it's a front three of Samuelino, Peter Musa, and Simon Banza. Barney, I'm interested to hear yours. Similar start. I went with um Andre Ferreira uh, in goal. Do you know what, Albert? He was actually close to being my player of the season because, um, interestingly, at the joint highest man of the match awards, uh, according ah, to who scored, yeah, he had seven for the season. Only Taremi and Darwin had at seven as well. Uh, so that was an interesting one. He's been he's been fantastic. Um, defense, I went Z Collis right back as well. 
I went with Lucas Kuna from Azure Descent alongside Jackson Prozo from Boa Vista. Um, left back, I struggled, man. I think Hamash was a great choice. I also wrote down Antunas. Um, I actually ended up going with Adrian Marin, the Spanish uh, left back for Famalicao. I've really enjoyed him this season. Midfield, I went Pedrino, Fujimoto, Andre Franco. Um, front three, Samuelino, Stupin, and Kiko Bondosa. Very nice. Okay, very nice. Yeah, so largely similar. I think a lot of good players. And do you know what, Barney? I'm just going to read this out. We talk about honourable mentions. But um, the way I did this for me was I just wrote down a list of every player from the from every club that I liked. And I sort of picked my favourites from those. There's so many good players that we could have picked. Goalkeepers like Giga Frelli from Gilbert Even Alfa Samedo, I think he had a good season at Pretoria. Samuel Portugal, a player that I'll always love from Porto Menendez, didn't quite have a good end to the season, but phenomenal goalkeeper. Marin as well, I like him. Riccielli and Penetra, that centre-back partnership from Family Cow. Zainadin and Tunej. Um, Fujimoto I didn't go with, but he's on there. Lincoln, neither of us went for Lincoln. Oh, he's yeah. been fantastic. Uh, Makuta from Boa Vista. Samu also from Vizela, you know. And I think we've been blessed with some great strikers this year. So, so many strikers that we could have gone for. We went for, obviously, Samuelino, Fran Navarro. I went for Simon Banza. Could have had Krizan from Santa Clara. Could have had Jolta Go from Maritimo. Peter Muta from Boa Vista. So many good options. So that's just my long-winded way of saying this was actually really hard to choose just because there were so many fantastic players from outside the top four. And as people know, that's a big part of what we try and do in the show is highlight those talents. So, so many phenomenal talents as there were last season that we could have picked from. And I would be interested to hear the listeners' uh, choices for 11 of the season outside the top four as well, just because there's so many to pick from. Can I just say, Albert, You've really gone down on my estimations for <laughs> fucking Abascal getting two mentions on, on this podcast from you. <laughs> I think it's just the, the, the couple of games I've watched from him, I thought he looked utter shit. And, uh, I, know, I know you're not the only one who's rated him. I know there's been a few people like them, but um, uh, two mentions on this uh, award show. I mean, God. <laughs> I couldn't believe my ears when he was best signing. <laughs> All right, I probably have to take that one on the chin. I think, oh, yeah, decent player. I like it. <laughs> well, look, we're going to round off this show soon. But as I mentioned, we did just have a couple of questions from listeners. Uh, we put out a tweet on Twitter asking for your questions and we did get a couple back. So thanks for everyone who offered their questions. Firstly, Barney, and Barney hasn't seen these, by the way, so these are coming in very fresh. Um, question from Dita, who is a big supporter of ours on Twitter. So hello, Dita. Thank you for your question. And Thank you for all the support. And um, he asked for our team in the season, which we've just done. But he also says, Barney, which team is the biggest overachiever and which team is the biggest underachiever? Oh, I like that question a lot. I think it's hard, obviously very hard to look, um, look anywhere else apart from Gilles Vicente. But I would also include Boa Vista. I think, you know, last week when we were hearing back our predictions, um, we, we had very little hopes for them. And then underachiever. I was disappointed with Peppers Victoria this season. I was really disappointed with that. I was expecting a little bit more than we saw. I think they did well towards the second half of the season. Yeah, that might be my one, actually. I mean, it's easy to say Benfica as well, perhaps, because they had such a good start. I, I don't know. What do you think? That's interesting. I think I will I will go for Gilverson. I, I agree for overachiever. I don't think you can really look anywhere else. But as again, if you want to give an honourable mention, I'll say Estoril um, really overachieved. I've said it so many times. So easy to forget that they were newly promoted. And so to finish in the top 10 uh, is really great. Um, interesting that for underachievers, you went at the top end of the table. I'm going to go down the bottom uh, and I'm going to say Tondela for me are my biggest underachievers. Now, I don't, 
I don't think they were really nailed on survival. It was always going to be tough, but you know, last year they survived, and I think they they really underachieved. I know they were a poor side, but I think they had it more in the locker than sides like Aruka and sides like Bezella and arguably sides like Moraen. So the fact that they managed to let it all slip and finish in the automatic relegation spots for me was a big underachievement. Uh, Tiago Dantas and Eduardo Crisma came close to being my uh, worst signing of the season. They've it, it, it my shoulders. I think that they, they let that was an exciting uh, squad they had at the beginning after the, at the end of the summer transfer window. Tom there, and I think those two players they had some moments in the season, but I think they they've certainly underachieved. So yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Um, and we've got two questions from the real R Barry. A big thank you for your questions, mate, and a big thank you for all your support on Twitter. It doesn't go unnoticed, by the way. So a big thank you to you for that. Two questions. So we'll try and make these quick fire. First is about Sporting Barney. Obviously, we saw the news today that Amarim is linked PSG. Uh, so the qu- first question is: If Amarim leaves Sporting this summer, where do you think they'll finish next season? Especially if the likes of Palinia and Nunes and others leave. Um, I guess that's about basically whether. Uh, Amrim leaving could upset the apple cart a bit. I think that's not far. Uh, I think that's quite a good shout. I think that that's a that's, that's a real possibility. Um, he, he's he's such an important person in that, in that for, for sporting. I think the squad they've assembled as well is very much to his uh, wants and you know that that five at the back formation. So yeah, that could be. I I sort of, I do see him staying for a little bit longer there, but I think he's he's got time on his hands. He's in no rush to to go for a big job just just yet. So I'd, I'd be gutted if he went. Mate. I'd be gutted if he left, and I'd go as far as to say I think Amrim leaving Sporting is going to be more harmful to, to them than any player in that squad leaving. I think that would be be more harmful. So yeah, if he does go, it all comes down to what manager they bring in before we can make a judgment because they've got to make the right appointment. If they make the wrong appointment, um, they could fall further behind. Here's a question. Would you rather Strabio or Amarim? Amarim, 100%. No, I, that's an easy one for me. Genuinely, that's an easy one for me. I'd rather have Amarim, I think, you know, I think one player, or as good as Strabio is, I think Amarim makes more of a decent difference. And the second question, Barney, I like this one. It's about Santa Clara. Can they crawl any higher or do you think that this season was their max? I think the thing with Santa Clara is whoever's in the scouting department who signs the players mm. is incredibly good at their job. Yeah. Yeah, but I think um, you know there's been a few stories coming out recently. The SAD don't look like the the, the the best people. You know, you know. I think one thing that happens in this league is that you need to be in a right moment. I think they've they've consistently had good players. If they had a, a couple more, possibly at the back, and uh, you know suddenly found a, a combination, uh, they 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 could p- push 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 Vitoria for sure. Yeah, I would answer that question by saying they finished seven. I think they could finish realistically one place higher. I think I'm pleased that they backed the manager. I was worried that he was going to leave. I'm pleased that they backed him, but I think they'll just always be turning over players. I never, I don't think they'll have the capacity, at least in the short term, to keep a squad together. So I think their ceiling will always be uh, sixth or seventh place, but doable next season. I think sixth place can be doable for them next season. Well, thank you for those questions. Uh, and that does bring us to the end of the show. We should say a massive thank you to everybody who listened. We really hope to... Hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a massive episode from us. So if you have any friends who don't listen to the podcast but follow a Portuguese club, make sure you send them this podcast because we'd love to uh, get this podcast out to as many ears as possible. We think uh, it was good fun doing it and uh, we hope it was good fun uh, for you guys to listen to. Um, I said it last week, but we always end this show by asking for um, a little review or a little rating on Apple Podcasts. if you've considered doing that at any point in the season and not done it, we would just say 
make it this episode because this is our last episode of the season. It's a big episode for us um, and we would appreciate so much any support. So if you're on Apple Podcasts and can leave us a little written review, that'd be great, or a rating on Spotify, that would be fantastic. Well, it is our last episode of the season so it might be a little while before you hear from us again me and Barney have loved doing the podcast this season but it's also fair to say it's been quite intense so I think we will probably have at least a couple of weeks off we'll let you know if we have any cool plans for uh, off-season podcasts and absolutely send us some messages on Twitter send us some comments if there's anything at all that you would like to hear from myself and Barney uh, in the off season we'll maybe see if we can organize some kind of interview or something like that uh, that we can do in the off season but yeah this will be the last episode for at least a few weeks so we should say a huge huge thank you once again to everybody who listened this season and made the second series of the long wolf podcast so special for myself and barney barney i'll let you say something as well if you like yeah i mean as always i think Seeing the response from our uh, our listeners and our, our Twitter followers is always uh, surreal to me. I, I'd never sort of imagined having a connection to so many people and uh, and uh, feeling appreciated. It means so much to us. And um, yeah, uh, thank you for everyone who everyone who listens. It's just it's just so fun, Albert. Isn't it? it <laughs> I mean, is, man. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing, man. Yeah, yeah. We have such a laugh doing this, and. Uh, Oh, sorry. I feel like I'm, I'm mucking up my acceptance speech at the, the Longwood Football. <laughs> <Lord. laughs> <laughs> Mate, you messed it up the moment you didn't turn up with the bow tie. But we'll let you. <laughs> well, look, that brings the Longwood Football podcast to an end for this series. If there was any doubt in your mind, put it to rest because me and Barney will be back next season doing it all over again. So fear not. We'll try and work out some content that we can put together over the summer. Might be have a couple of weeks off, but we'll speak to you all very soon. A massive thank you to everybody listening. Big thank you again to Tom Kunder, Jamie Farr, everyone who supported the show. Uh, Zach Lowy, who had us as a guest. We're going to be on the Sporting 160 EN podcast on Wednesday, the day this comes out. So a big thank you to those guys. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you for retweeting, for liking, for commenting, for sending us a message. Thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends. Uh, thank you for supporting us it's been an incredible season um, thank you you Barney for being a great co-host and for all the all the laughs we've had this season um, I always end the podcast with the same thing I can't quite say the same thing this season but thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time see you next time